Welcome to the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today's guest is Michael Ludden, Global Head of Developer Advocacy and Principal Augmented Reality Advocate at Bose Technologies. Michael is a technologist, futurist, strategist, product leader, and developer platform expert who loves to operate on the bleeding edge of what's possible and is a frequent keynote speaker at events around the world. Michael was previously director of IBM's Watson's Developer Lab for AR and VR, among some other career stops. To learn more about the work he's doing at Bose, you can visit developer.bose.com. Michael, welcome to the show. Wow, what an intro. Thanks for having me. It's my absolute pleasure and honor to have you on the show. I'm super excited. I, I was talking to you offline, and uh, last week I was flying uh, from Toronto to San Fran, and I just happened to sit beside a guy who uh, we started talking about AR, and I pulled out the North glasses. He pulled out the Bose frames. We swapped, and we had this kind of meeting of the minds. I had the visual. He had the audio, and it was really cool. I got to try the, the Bose frames, and what an amazing piece of technology. Glad you liked them. So... You've had a, a storied career here. You've done everything from IBM Watson to Google to HTC, Samsung. How did you end up in technology and like, why did you get so fascinated on futurism? Well, that's sort of been a running theme in my life. I read a lot of science fiction as a kid um, and I was always interested in technology and not to date myself, but at a certain point in my life, when I was a young adult, technology started to really aggressively eat everything, starting with mobile. And I just found uh, that was really the point of inflection in my life where I, I studied musical theater in college. I went to UCLA. I thought that's what I was going to do. I really did. And uh, I did get a BA. So I got a liberal arts education too. And at the same time, I was always tinkering with stuff, building my own PCs. Um, I started my own web development company at one point to make websites in Flash, CS2, CS3 in the early days. Yeah, it was brutal. There's a, there's um, a conference in Toronto called Flash in the Can. It's FITC. <laughs> Nice. So that's old school. It is very old school. And, you know, I never really thought I'd make a career out of it, but I needed money and I was a starving actor in LA. And one of my friends who I just made by being nerdy uh, worked for a company called HTC and they were releasing the first ever Android phone, um, which was called the Dream or the G1 in the US. So I was in contact with this guy. He got a promotion. He said, you should take my old job, which was LA based. And I was living there at the time. And I said, no, I don't want to do it. I was working on a, a podcasting platform called This Weekend. Not, not This Weekend Tech, but This Weekend. It was a Jason Calacanis-led network out of the old Mahalo Studios in Santa Monica. But it paid me pennies. And when they told me what the job paid and what I'd be doing, I said, okay, I guess I'll do it. Because I needed the money. Uh, and it was very flexible. It felt really easy to me. Like I, That's really all you need me to do. Um, and so I ended up starting to go around door to door, like what was it? Um, like T-Mobile shop, Verizon shop, AT&T, like carrier stores and show them about the phones. And I was like, this is so easy. And then they started sending me to conferences and I started giving talks about stuff and doing the demoing at the booth. And then I got wind that uh, they were starting a developer relations organization. I had no business even uh, applying for something like that, but I really wanted to uh, have a forcing function to teach myself the program for Android learn Eclipse, et cetera. It was Eclipse at the time, not Android Studio. And so I basically begged the team for six months. I just let my enthusiasm kind of guide me. And the rest of the stuff you mentioned in my past kind of followed from that enthusiasm. It really actually hasn't stopped. It's just sort of morphed for different things. The latest thing is obviously immersive technologies, but I found that they valued my time and it didn't feel like work. And what more can you ask for from a career, really? Isn't that awesome? So let's fast forward. You're now working with Bose, one of the giant pioneers of, of audio in the world. What does Bose have to do with augmented reality? Well, 
That is a great question. Yeah, so Bose is doing something really fascinating and innovative, and that is trying to create a new lane for augmented reality that is focusing on a different sense that's not your sight, that's sound, which I guess is pretty brand appropriate. We are building a whole new area of Bose focused on turning the company into a platform company and building a platform for developers to build mobile applications that are sound focused, that operate via a series of gestures and spatial sound capabilities and possibly even voice input and prioritize those over staring at your phone screen and touching so that you can maybe do things by those methods of interaction while having your phone in your pocket, even though there's an app running. And in that way, it actually frees up your visual too, just like if you're listening to a podcast passively or music, or you're having a phone call actively, still engage in the world with your eyes, our most powerful sense, and let audio uh, give us some other capabilities that complement that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So let's put this in perspective. You guys made a pair of sunglasses that yeah. have speakers built into them. And yep. they're pretty awesome. The this, this yep. sound is amazing, like what you would expect from Bose. Now, not only do you have sound just stereo, but you also have the ability to make it spatial, correct? Yeah, so the frames are just one of three devices that support Bose AR at the moment. The qc 35s that are the most popular ones that we sell, that are every time you pass a business class on an airplane, everybody's wearing them. Those support uh, Bose AR as well provided they were purchased after November of last year, 2018. Um, same thing with the new 700 series we announced a couple months ago. I actually got the pleasure of announcing this on stage uh, at AWE, Augmented World Expo. They're called the Noise Cancelling 700 series. They are a new super premium uh, tier of noise cancelling headphones that's sitting alongside the QC35s. All of these devices have a little sensor bundle in them that's on the right side of at least the frames. And that consists of an accelerometer, a gyroscope, and a magnetometer. And in that way, we have an SDK for Android, an SDK for iOS, and then also an SDK for Unity, which you can use to deploy cross-platform that will allow you to interpret and read data from the sensors to do things like recognize gestures. For all three platforms, we have native gesture support force, head nod. So if you're nodding your head, yes. Shake, negative. Um, so we've changed the word from, uh, sorry, nod to affirmative and shake to negative just to sort of future-proof it a little bit with an intent system. But the idea is if somebody, if you want to make an application that does something when somebody shakes their head or you prompt them to shake their head or nod their head and something happens, you can do that. And then also there's input, which on frames, you double tap on the right. Same thing with QC35s. And on uh, the 700 series, you touch and hold because there's a capacitive touch panel on that device. And then in terms of spatial sound, to answer your question, there's a magnetometer on these devices so you can understand directionally with some magnetic declination. If somebody's facing north, south, east, west, uh, you can also do arbitrary direction. So for example, there's an app called Bose Radar. And if you have a Bose AR enabled device, you can download that for either the, the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. And that, uh, if you open that up, there's a beachscape scene that I like to talk about. So if you press play and you close your eyes, you will hear a beach scene in front of you. But if you look left, you will hear the beach scene in the, your right ear. And if you look right, you'll hear the beach scene in your left oh, ear. Oh, that's so cool. So it'll kind of root the sound around you based on where you were initially looking, not based on like the direction of the world, where you were initially looking and keep it there. So you could hear seagulls out of the left side, et cetera. That's positional sound, right? Yeah. That's like spatial sound that's rooted in a position. Yep. Got it. 
Very cool. And then I guess it starts when you, you know, whatever direction you're looking, that's when it starts. Well, that's an option. That's an option. You don't have to do it that way, but that's an option. Yeah. I don't know if you've tried the Magic Leap. I assume you have. Yeah. They they have, uh, you know, spatial audio built into those. And one of the demos they do is this ball of light is 10 feet away from you on the floor and the sound is coming from 10 feet away from you on the floor. Is that something that is going to be available uh, through these Bose uh, glasses? Absolutely, yeah. So there's a number of ways to tackle that. The advantage that something like a Magic Leap or even an Oculus Quest has is that it's tracking you with cameras, right? We don't have any cameras on our devices. And so it's very easy to present sound accurately when there's like, an object attached to it, right? That you can look at and see the distance. Um, and therefore, so can the computer, which is generating that object, it's kind of native. The way that you can do it with Bose AR, if you're a developer, is from within Unity, you can actually do that same thing. You can create a visual scene and attach sound to an object that's at a certain distance, and then present that to a user because you know the uh, rough direction that a person is looking. The ways to overcome the three dots versus six dots thing uh, where you can move forward in space and have it recognize that. There's two main ways that we've discovered so far. And again, this is a third-party platform. So I'm expecting we'll discover new ways for people to do this. We have people working with pedometers. What if I can track somebody's step forward in other ways of doing cameraless six degrees of freedom tracking? But here are the two that we found so far. One is you're outside. You use the phone's GPS with the magnetometer from a Bose AR device. And in that way, you can know where in the world they are and also in what direction they're looking. And using just those two heuristics, I could see that someone's looking at a restaurant. And if and there is actually an app called Naviguide that does this now. You can download it for the uh, Apple App Store. But you can double tap and it will pull in using Yelp's API information about the restaurant you're looking at and say three stars from 500 people. And you can kind of make a decision about whether or not to eat there. So that's one way to understand uh, where something is in space. There's another app that uses that technique to do spatialized audio tours. So as you walk up to a place, you'll hear a ping from a specific location, and you can decide if you want to enter that audio experience. So that's cool. There's a lot of stuff we're doing to enable developers to build like silent, spatial silent discos you could walk up to and have music fade in, that sort of thing. And then the other way pertains more to indoor positioning. So we've got some of our developer advocates on my team experimenting with beacons and things like that. But if you have no infrastructure, you can always default to something like Euphoria or ARKit or ARCore with your phone out and the camera pointed at the ground for plane detection. And then you can actually walk forward and around the space. And then it can also understand where you're looking relative to that. And there's actually an app I'd recommend downloading called Traverse, which is a really wonderful music experience where you can, for example, with Elvis, arrange the band around you and then walk through and around a performance. You can hear Elvis's voice like a ghost next to you and then move behind him and there's the person playing the drums and you can actually go around a, a virtual space and listen spatially to it using ARKit to support the positioning of the headset. Oh my God. So I can see this for museums, for public tours, for walking tours. Absolutely. And I think it's great that this is available on these two headphones and one pair of glasses, but I can imagine that through software, you're going to be able to enable people to have these types of experiences across any Bose device eventually, because if you take away the magnometer and accelerometer, you can actually just run it off your phone. There's a couple of things about Bose's commitment to this platform. So we've already committed to over a million devices in market that are Bose AR enabled by the end of this year. I think we've already basically hit that. 
We've also started putting them in every wearable we make. The three wearables are the three most recent wearables we came out with. The third thing is, you know, you could default to the phone, but what's interesting is we know a person is wearing this on their head. And that's something interesting and unique. If you combine it with the capabilities of a phone, you can actually understand where somebody's looking, for example. And you can understand a lot of other things about them as well by the fact that it's head mounted. The, another thing I just say about the platform uh, briefly is these are devices people are using every day anyway. So if I were to make a pitch to developers, the difference between this and something like a Magic Leap is, number one, you didn't purchase it just for XR. You purchased it and you're using it every day anyway. And then when you build an app for it, it's not that somebody has to pick up a device like a Magic Leap and put it on your head. And by the way, I love Magic Leap. They're just different qualities to it, right? You're probably already wearing your Bose device. And if you download an app that has some utility for you with Bose AR capabilities, it's not as frictionful as, oh, let me go get my device and put it on my head to do this specific thing, if that makes sense. Nobody wants to buy something for a very niche thing. And I, and I have a Magic Leap. We've got them in the office here. And they get used very rarely when developers are either making something for them or we're doing demos for people. But it's not something you pick up and put on and walk around yeah. the office with. It's just It just doesn't. I think that's the way the world's going. It might be generational. It might be just a few years of, of habit. But I, I, I'm not trying to say that that's not viable as a form factor. But there are some convenience aspects to what Bose is doing that I think are, are relevant for developers who we want to interest in building third-party applications, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And so let's look at this from a business standpoint. What can brands start doing to leverage these technologies? That's a question we are uh, answering in various ways internally and trying to answer with partners. Hopefully you'll, you'll see some of those answers come to market later this year. But there's, there's any number of, of ways uh, to tackle these things when it comes to brands. Um, we're working with a number of existing application providers to build Bose AR-enabled features that make sense. For example, a partner of ours is GolfShot. And GolfShot is a popular application for golfers. And there's a Bose AR enabled feature that let's say you're on the course with a pair of framed sunglasses. Um, you can actually get contextual, I guess, uh, advice about where on that green, based on where you're looking, you should be hitting the ball and with what. So little quality of life improvement features are one aspect to existing established branded apps. Um, there's also obviously marketing and promotional opportunities. Spatial sound itself can just transport you. Very quickly, you just close your eyes and you're in the middle of some scene in your favorite superhero movie, for example, or whatever the case may be. Another thing that we've done is we've put out something called a creator tool. This is uh, something that feeds into our Bose Radar app, which does the, the, the soundscape that I mentioned on the beach. Um, we actually do have, oh my gosh, I don't want to butcher his name. This would be terrible. But I think it's BJ, the Chicago kid, has some experiences in Bose Radar of his music laid out spatially around you. And we are working with brands on delivering more experiences, many of which will be musical and some of which will just be artistic and uh, immersive audio based. Um, but the Bose Radar app is fed into by a tool which exists on the web. We're doing private invites for it now. And that's also available at developer.bose.com. Um, and that's going to be a kind of WYSIWYG tool uh, that allows brands to create experiences with spatial sound and some gesture recognizers and also use GPS um, to do location-based and spatial sound uh, experiences. So there's a number of channels that we're working on now to engage with partners. And if you are a brand that's interested in this, just reach out to me or head to our website for more information. Awesome. So what can we expect in the future? And 
I'm going to throw this out there because I saw, I shouldn't say I saw, I heard a pair of uh, headphones called Neuraloop at CES this year. And they were personalized headphones. I don't know. They, they had some spiel, but man, they, they sounded amazing. And there's not been much development as far as R&D or like real change in headphones in a long, long time. And you, it sounds like you guys are really pushing the limits. So what's next on the, on the radar that you can talk about? Obviously, uh, is there something coming that's going to take it to that next level? There's always things coming. We have future wearables that will be coming out uh, that are Bose AR enabled. Um, we're really committed. I think what businesses will need to know is that we're really committed to creating a viable, large target platform, highlighting our partners that work with us in our channels. Um, we have an app called Bose Connect that has over 14 million installs worldwide. We're shipping our XR headsets everywhere in the world. That's something very few, if anyone else, can claim uh, in this industry. And, and I would just say there's really exciting things on the horizons, new capabilities, et cetera. But I also want to reassure people that this is a platform that can be built on that is future-proof. And what we're really trying to get to now, the analog that makes sense is we're kind of with either Web 1.0 or the early app store for iOS, whatever you want to call it. But capabilities got added to the web. Uh, certainly people were able to develop better applications as, as processors got better for mobile. But the core capabilities are the content. So what we really want to do, what we're committed to doing is working with Third-party developers, small and large. You don't have to be a big brand. Um, you can be a, a single person. We're trying to make the platform self-service and easy and free because the value to us is our customers find use out of Bose AR-enabled applications, and they come back to them and they use them. And, and that, that is a win-win for us. So there's a nice synergy in our business model for companies, small dev shops, large brands uh, to come and work with us because we want the content is what I think folks who own Bose AR-enabled devices can look forward to. Um, and it's what we really need to bootstrap in addition to obviously future capabilities, better refinement of the platform as we go along. Amazing. <laughs> There's so much coming, so much coming. I don't even know what to ask. It's like, you guys have figured it all out. Not at all. It's a process. <laughs> <laughs> it is a process, but you know, I mean, you've been down this road before you've been down the, the process from, Hey, we have an idea and a couple of nerds in a yeah. lab to, Hey, look at this as a product and it's in the market now. It's all, it's what I live for. Yeah. It's, you know, it'd be boring otherwise, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, you know, building new things for the world is pretty exciting. And I feel like we're in this this renaissance moment of technology where it's unleashing untold possibilities for humanity. Yeah. Let's put our educators hat on for a second. How do you think the Bose technology for spatial audio or Bose AR, how do you think it can be used for training or education? We are actually already talking to a number of interested parties on workforce training and uh, repair enablement scenarios. So the same sort of scenarios that you've heard talked about with augmented reality, we think have some potential uses with frames, let's say large warehouse rollouts with a maybe a safety glass version uh, or something like that, right? Where you can get audio cues and your eyes aren't distracted by a screen, you're doing your job, but Something goes wrong in one corner of the warehouse and you hear a ping uh, spatially where that might be. Things like that that can enable quality of life improvements for workers while leveraging the fact that there's not a screen to not distract from what they're doing. There's something to putting something in front of somebody's eyeballs that's just always going to take your attention, right? So we think that there's a lot of workforce enablement stuff that can be done with Bose AR enabled features within existing applications and then maybe dedicated applications for things like I just mentioned in that scenario, or even ones we haven't come up with yet. 
in addition to that, yeah, there, there's a whole host of different potential opportunities. We've obviously, like you mentioned at the top, lots of interest from audio tour providers. That will, there's lots of old school headsets with cassette tapes that are still out there for various tours. And that's kind of low hanging fruits. I used to be a DJ. Oh, did you? Oh yeah. For 20 years. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. You ever seen the emulator, the big see-through touchscreen DJ controller? No, that sounds type emulator DJ. Okay. Yeah. I invented this giant see-through glass touchscreen. Whoa. That was you. Yeah. I see this. Yeah. And it's all, wow. Yeah. And so it was a MIDI controller. So it controlled, we actually worked with lighting controllers. We worked with uh, video, audio, all a ton of big brands. We brought this to Coachella one year. We made a thing called Ream Experience where we took, we Heineken branded it. And one <laughs> row of buttons was synth, one was bass, one was hi-hats, whatever. And yeah. we, we made it so that you could, no matter what button you pressed, it always was in key. And But we made this wow. really cool thing. People were making their own remixes and emailing it to themselves. That is awesome. I love me some audio. We did an experiment with uh, Bozear at uh, Coachella this past year just to see what sorts of things were viable in like a music festival setting. Um, and I think you're going to start to see some of the fruits of those experiments in the future. It was kind of exciting. Did you work with Sam Schoonover and his team there? You know, I, that was somebody on my team that took point on that. I don't know the name, but maybe. We, I think we, we need to come up with something crazy for next year and we'll all go to Coachella. We'll make it a thing. Oh, man. I'm sold. <laughs> We're going to get everybody at Coachella wearing the frames. Yes. I mean, it's perfect, right? Like silent discos. It's so perfect. Honestly, like, all right, yeah. we're going to make that happen. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. I love it. They already have a silent disco. They, yes, I know. I've seen some of these, but seamless just walking up to it and walking away. That's to me is something I'd love to see realized. Yeah, it would be really cool. I, I think there's a lot of smart tech under the hood that would need to work and you have to have Wi-Fi that doesn't suck at a festival. So there's, uh, there's also challenges, but right, we're going to have 5G. It's going to be a thing. There you go. Listen, we, we were already working with all the telcos. We're going to bring 5G. We're going to drop it in there. We got this. That would be amazing. Yeah. If there's no congestion problems, which I, uh, that's the promise of 5G is get rid of the, the bandwidth problem. Yeah. I thought it was the uh, ping problem or the uh, latency problem. If it gets rid of the bandwidth problem. Awesome. It's three things. It's bandwidth, latency, and also uh, capacity of the network. But can it make me dinner? That's that's really the question. The answer is absolutely. Uber Eats delivers. Awesome. What a world. Yes. What a world. So right. listen, we have plans now. We're going to go to Coachella. We're going to make sure everybody's got the frames. We're going to have a silent disco. I think there's a huge potential for augmented reality as it pertains to audio. And I think Bose is perfectly situated to take advantage of that and also bring quality audio to the world. Yay. Thank you. I oh. agree. <laughs> What is one problem in the world that you think can be solved with XR technologies? I believe in XR as the empathy machine. I think that it can literally put you into the shoes of someone experiencing the world from a different perspective. And in that way, it's almost not even empathy. It's almost sympathy. Like I was waiting through a crowd as a four foot three tall person. And I actually experienced what that was like. So I think that sort of concept of experientially being able to put yourself into someone else's situation is something that all forms of XR uh, can and will uh, continue to do even on accident. Like every time I play a game and things are sized differently, that's the size thing, but it could also be scenarios. Oh, I was in a scenario where a bunch of people were bullying me and how did I handle that? This and that. So I think 
For people who struggle with being able to empathize with others in different situations, VR and AR have the ability to give us that new perspective. And I think that's one of the very many exciting things about XR. I could have gone a number of different ways. I think education, therapy, recovery, the way we work, remote meetings, collaboration, et cetera. I guess I wanted to highlight the empathy aspect, the empathy machine aspect of it here. You know who quoted that VR is the ultimate empathy machine? Oh, was it you? It was not. It was Chris Milk. Milk. I got to give him credit next time. Yeah. And Are you sure he coined that phrase though? Or did he just give a talk on it? I'm pretty sure he coined it. Look at the date. 2017. Yeah. This has been really wonderful. Thank you so much for, for taking the time. And I'm really looking forward to Coachella next year for the. Yes. Let's keep the conversation going. Anybody who's listening who wants to learn more about the Bose AR project and the QC35 and the new 700 series headphones and the frames glasses, which I'm hoping I get a pair in the mail, would be great. Just hit me <laughs> in, nudge, nudge. You got it. Developer.bose.com. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startup studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know, reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, -on one-hour -one, one call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions, we're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is gonna drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game, and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com, and I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper-accelerate XR for business and education.